My message today, prayer makes a difference. I discovered that very early in my Christian life, even before I ever attended a Seventh-day Adventist church. I'd had a dream and had called the pastor to come over and the Lord answered, told me to call him. He came and he spent about two hours with us. That, e- that evening, as I, he went out the door, I said, I'll see you Sabbath. My wife happened to have a migraine on the Sabbath. And when she had these migraines, we took her to the doctor. The doctor recognized her migraines and he'd let her in a side door, give her a shot. And I'd take her home and put her to bed and she was knocked out for 24 hours. I called the pastor and told him why we couldn't be there. I, I don't think he even had time to greet the congregation that day after his sermon because he came right over, knocked on the door, and he said, I'm here to pray for your wife. He went into the bedroom and he knelt beside the bed and I've never felt any more in the presence of God than I did that time. And you've read the story, we all have, I'm sure that most of us have, about Peter when he prayed for his mother-in-law. His mother got up and mother-in-law got up and fixed a big meal. That's, this is not a simile, it's a facsimile of what happened to my wife. She got up and fixed a big meal There was absolutely no drug effect whatsoever from that shot. So I found out very early in my Christian life that prayer makes a difference. You know, I could take the, I could take the, the rest of the afternoon telling you one experience after another how that God has, what he has done in my life through prayer. I mentioned Joyce's articles and the bulletin, and I love what the pastor said, or the one that said that, or maybe it was hers. But she said that there's not anything more important than prayer, and I believe that with all of my heart. I'd share just a couple of, of them. Like I said, I could spend the rest of the afternoon sharing these things, and they're all you would have to say, that's a miracle. That's a miracle. There have been the times that he has... I think one of the biggest miracles was about a month before I came down here from Ohio. Through a chain of circumstances, I was knocking, I was holding a revival or or a series of meetings on Daniel at the time. And uh, through circumstances, I was knocking on this man's door. He never... He'd never heard of me. What, what had happened, another man had the appointment with him. But he was called out of town. He was a literature evangelist leader. He was called out of town to be in Toledo, Ohio, immediately. And he called me and asked me if I'd take his place. That man, he and his mother-in-law had been studying the Bible. His mother-in-law went to sleep. I mean, I'm sorry. His mother-in-law left. And he went to sleep. And while he was asleep, had a dream that the front door lit up like a cross. There was a man came, and he described that person. It was just like I am. This man was a black man, a wonderful Christian man, I believe, even at that time, because he loved the Lord. He knew that some changes had to be made. And he described me perfectly. 
He told me what I would be telling him that he had to do, and he was correct. How I would be dressed. And then he said the name Trammell. I said, that's my name. His wife was in the kitchen, and he shouted, come here, come here. What did I tell you his name was? That was one that I'll never forget. But in my ministry, I have been called to homes that I didn't know what the emergency was. I knew there was an emergency, and I remember one time my wife and I had just come from church, and we'd usually take a, take a nap before we'd go out to visit. And I said, honey, there's no time for a nap. nap. We have to go. We have to go to this home. I don't know why, but it's urgent that we go. I knocked on the door, and this woman comes to the door and said, thank, thank God. God has sent you here. My son just died of a massive heart attack. He has told me when to prepare sermons, or to, he, like I told you earlier. Every sermon I preach is his. It's not mine. But he's told me even funeral services to do even before the person died. One of them, some of you know, remember, Nell Bright. Her sister Dale was in a nursing home. And she'd been there for some time, and I didn't know she was any worse. But one time in my study, God said, go ahead and start preparing a funeral service for this lady. And I did. About two hours later, Nell called Dale was her twin sister, and she said, my, my sister just died. Would you prepare the service? And I said, I've been working on it for about two hours. That's the God that I serve. That's the reason that I can say that prayer makes a difference. Prayer makes a difference. But we live in a time of economic uncertainty, a time of political uncertainty, a time of weather uncertainty. But in in many places, the winds of spiritual revival are blowing. And there has never been and never will be a revival, a successful revival, that has not been bathed and saturated in prayer. I, The spirit of prophecy tells us that there never has been, there never will be, there never will be a successful revival without prayer. Friends, you, God must do something in you before he can do something through you. Mark that down. Remember that. God must do something in you before he can do something through you. The gospel, I believe, we're not reaching the world, not because the hardness of the world's heart, but the hardness of our heart. We're not praying as we should. I. Most people want the gifts of the Spirit. Jesus wants to give us the fruits of the Spirit. If he gives us the fruits of the Spirit, the gifts of the Spirit will be manifested in us. I want us today to look at five essentials of Jesus' prayer life. At the prayer life of Jesus, I believe that through this, that we can enrich our prayer life. Jesus has set an example for all of us. So let's open the New Testament and look more deeply, deeply 
in our prayer life as we look at Jesus' prayer life. Let us pray. Father, I pray today that you would allow us today to drink more deeply from that heavenly stream, that we would be fed with the bread of life, that we will hear the Spirit of God speak into our hearts. There is, this is no time, Father, to play with destiny. This is no time to be committed in our heads but not in our hearts. This is no time for a formal academic condition. This is a time that, Father, that for heart-throbbing, heart-agonizing prayer. This is a time to be on our knees seeking God. This is a time to be filled with the Holy Spirit. This is a time for a genuine, authentic experience with the living God. This morning, Father, I pray that you would, that you would touch our hearts, that we would open our hearts, our eyes, and draw near to our side, that we might experience your power. Friends, God is a wonderful God, a wonderful, I can't, I can't praise him enough, I can't emphasize how much that I believe in prayer, and I, I just want all of us to get on board. We have a wonderful session. Tuesday night, I mean, not Tuesday night, Wednesday afternoon at 3 o'clock, God has a group here that prays. I've always heard that prayer meeting was for something that, that was for prayer. I don't know where I got that, maybe the name of it, prayer meeting. But I believe it. But I, I, again, there's just a couple experiences that comes to me. Why I believe so deeply in prayer. Catherine Coleman used to be, some of you that are older that might, might remember Catherine Coleman. She was the most watched evangelist on television on a Sunday morning. That is... That is prime time for Christian television. And it's time that I've heard that more people watch, watch the Christian programs on Sunday morning than they are in church. She died. And everybody wanted that spot because they would have her following. I had them come to me, the men I worked with, and, and they were all praying for it, all denominations, because they would, that, program was the most watched and they know they would get their following this one man he was one of their uh, he was a member of the same denomination that she belonged to and he came to me and he said Glenn I'm pretty sure we're going to get going to get Catherine Coleman's spot I knew that we had had an all night prayer session praying for that let me tell you what a wonderful God we serve not only did they call us and say, would you take it? They seemed to want, it, want us to have it as much as we did, or maybe even more so. They said, if you will take it, we will pay half the cost. That's a God that we serve. Not only that, WLW, that was WKRC, WLW, that we called us and wanted to, if we could put that on, they were going to take one of theirs off so that we could help It Is Written. We were praying for It Is Written. That's the first time it had ever been broadcast in Cincinnati. I didn't know at the time 
I didn't know at the time that when I was praying all night long with my, my church family, that my wife would be come through with that because she was a wonderful Methodist girl in her church every week, but one time she got sick. And when she was sick, she happened to be surfing through the morning gospel programs, and there was it is written. She started watching it, and she couldn't go back to her church. She was addicted to George Vanderbilt. And she started sending for her books. She started attending our church. And uh, God, again, is a wonderful God. A wonderful God. Prayer makes a difference. But in the controversy between God and evil, God has rules. God has some rules. And these ground rules are that he will not. He will not interfere with our free choice. That's one thing he will not do. Somebody says rules. I grew up in a family with rules. I thank God. It seems to me like the children that have no rules, they're the ones that have problems. I thank God for godly rules that our Heavenly Father had for us like our parents did. Oh, Jimmy, I hope that you'll be as happy in your new home as we were growing up there. There was a lot of love there. And I'm so happy that you're getting it. That love will continue, that love, some of the love that we experienced. Now God, now God is doing everything he possibly can to save our children before we pray. God is doing everything he can to pray, to, to save our brothers and our, our husbands and wives before we pray. But God is limited. He is limited because of the freedom of choice that he's given each one of us. But he has a privilege. If he went ahead and intervened in a person's life without without asking, without that, without that person asking or no one praying for them, Satan would come by and he said, now wait a minute, you gave that man a free choice. You gave that man a free choice and you're, you're uh, interfering. You're not giving him that free choice. You are going against his free choice. And the Lord says, yes, I know. I will not, I will not, I will not touch him in any way. Because I want him to have that free choice. He has that free choice. But you know what? He says, I got some people. I got a, I got some people that meets every Wednesday in the Seventh-day Adventist Church in Stearns. They meet at 3 o'clock, and I have a perfect, they're my children, and I have a perfect right to pray, to answer their prayer. And you know what? He'll do that. He'll do that. He will send conviction upon, upon them that they could never have. And I, I mean, he'll convict their heart. He will, he put a burden upon them that they should change their life. Now, they have to be awfully hard, awfully hard in, in, their, in, in, this, in this world to not accept the conviction that the Holy Spirit will bring upon them. Those who are praying for them becomes a conduit to, to those that do not know Jesus. Things happen that could not happen to them if they didn't, if they didn't pray. You know... 
I thank God. I believe in every circumstances where conviction is brought on a person, somebody's praying for them. I don't know who prayed for me, but when I, when I come to the place in my life that I was flat on my back, totally filled with guilt, someone was praying for me. I don't know who it was. We have a song in, uh, in our church, uh, church hymnal. Someone is praying for me. I don't know who it was, but Daniel, when I get to heaven, Jesus will introduce me to that person. And I just want to give him a big hug at that time. I want to, because I'll be eternal grateful for that person that was praying for me. Recently, I prayed for, I prayed for my niece, Lori. As something come to me, I said, Lori needs you to pray for her. She hardly ever calls, but she's just a natural uh, child that just never, with the world, she didn't call Shirley that much. But recently she received calls from her. Thank God that the Holy Spirit told me to pray for, pray for Lori. He knows every single thing about... You say, well, Glenn, I don't understand all that. You don't have to understand it all. You don't have to understand it all. Let's suppose that you are a cornologist. You say, what in the world is a cornologist? Cornologist is someone that attended college and he got his degree in studying corn. Now he does, he knows everything about corn. No one knows more about corn. He has a PhD in corn. He gave his, uh, his dissertation on corn. The 13th, 13th kernel from the bottom up. That's in my imagination. <laughs> well, let's suppose that there's a man down in Brazil, in the jungles of Brazil. This man doesn't know anything about corn. He can't even read. He's illiterate. He, he doesn't know anything about nutrition. But his wife, one day, she fixed him a kernel of corn, cut him a kernel of corn, and she gave it to him. Well, the cornologist up at Harvard, the Harvard uh, uh, graduate with his Ph.D., his wife fixed him a kernel of corn at the same time. And they ate that kernel of corn. I want to ask you something. Which one got the most nutrition out of that, <laughs> that kernel of corn? The cornologist or the man that knows absolutely nothing about corn? That is a question. I, you don't have to understand everything. You don't have to appreciate those things that you don't understand. Those things that you do that you know absolutely nothing about, you don't have to stop appreciating them because you don't know anything. You call nothing. You know nothing about it. Now, don't try to figure this out. Don't try to figure out the whys and wherefores about prayer. Just pray. Just pray. Take your Bible, please. And turn, I we're going to look at the five essentials. I probably will not have time to cover them all. I would love to. Maybe another time I'll be able to share the rest of it with you. Prayer, the prayer life of Jesus, that can, I believe that can transform our lives. Every revival in history, I believe, had been bathed, had been bathed and saturated with prayer. The, uh, this, spiritual life of Jesus. He has set that perfect example for all of us. 
Mark 1, chapter, uh, cha cha Mark, Mark chapter 1, verse 35. It was very early in the morning. While it was still dark, Jesus got, Jesus got up and left his house and went off to a solitary place where he, where he prayed. Jesus had a time to pray, friends. Jesus had a time to pray. He had a place to pray. He had a time to place, a time to pray, and he had a place to pray. And he had a time to fellowship with his father. He was not too busy to pray. He was never too active to pray. Take your Bible and look again at another, that another season of Jesus' prayer life and, and Luke chapter 5. No one speaks more of the prayer life of Jesus than Luke does. We notice that Jesus had a time to pray, but there was a group of people there. There's a large group, and they wanted to, they, they come to hear him preach. They come mostly, I believe, to have their, have their diseases healed. But I was flocking to, and Jesus always, always, before he spoke to the crowd, he spent time with the Father. Before he spoke with the crowd, he spent time with the Father. I'm sure that Florence remembers this. We had a branch Sabbath school in Loveland, Ohio. Florence and Kenneth was very much a part of it. I was a teacher. I was a teacher, and we would have time to have our morning service at our church, and then we would run home and take a quick bite of something, run over to the new, to the uh, branch Sabbath school. We had a pretty good group there, Florence, if you remember. And we had about six or seven people that were baptized out of that. But you know, I remember I was a teacher and, 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 uh, I, uh, had about, uh, had about probably six or seven minutes before I would start teaching. And it came to my mind that I had not spent time with my father. I had not spent time with my father in prayer. I'm like Jesus before I meet the crowd. I want to spend some time with my father. And I ran downstairs. It was an old church. I ran downstairs, found a coal pile, and got down in it on my knees. And I come up. I was ready to t teach the class. I will not go for, before a class without first having prayer. Jim and I had prayer in the side room before we came out. I've always had prayer at home also before I come out. Jesus had a time to pray. Jesus had a place to pray. He was not an on and off thing. He was not praying today and missing tomorrow and maybe praying the next day and not the next. Jesus often had times to pray, but every morning before he met the multitude, he went to the mountains to pray. Before Jesus went to the crowd, he always went to the Father. Before he went to the crowd, he always went to the Father. Jesus could stand before kings because he had knelt before the king of the universe. Jesus was empowered in the moments that he spent with his Father. Luke again speaks of these, these alone times that he spent with Jesus. Luke chapter 9, a time he set apart to be alone with Jesus, with his, with his father, a time when every voice was quiet, 
when every voice was quiet. We live in a time, culture, that is almost impossible to get away from the noise, to get away from, from the clamor and chatter of today. It's difficult to get away from people today. It's hard to find silence. It's hard to be alone, just you and God. This man was visiting America during the last part of the 18th century. And the man, and when he went back home, a friend asked him, he said, what impressed you the most about Americans? He said, he said they're always moving. He said, they're moving all the time. He said, they've got a rocking chair. And that was last, I guess the rocking chair had just been invented. He said, they even have a chair. They call it a rocking chair. He said, even when they sit down, they keep moving. If your life feels hectic, if your life feels hectic, do your, does your time feel rust? When I look back when I was working, I've, I've been retired for quite a few years, so my last job was with the Ohio Conference. But I, I, I said, how in the world did I find time to work? How in the world did I find time to work? You know, the, the, the stress and strain of strain of fly, you need a time that you can set apart just you and God. I value that time. I value that time. I've been... I've heard people say, Glenn, I pray all the time. And sometimes I say, yeah, you look it. <laughs> you know, if you are eating potato chips, corn chips, hostess Twinkies, hostess Twinkies, cookies, and eating all of these, eating this all the time, what's happening? You are eating a junk diet that doesn't provide the vitamins and minerals that you need. Certainly the Bible says, certainly the Bible says pray without season. This is talking about being in an attitude of prayer all the time. Being in an attitude. But I tell you, if you just spend the time sending 19 second prayers up to God all day, there's coming a time in the last days we're told that trying times are going to come. I'm not sure that that's going to sustain you to be strong enough to stand during those times. You need a time that you can listen to God's voice speaking to your heart. I pray, I, I thank God for the place that I have to pray. Do you have a time to pray? A time when nothing interrupts your prayer life with God. I used to take the phone off the hook. I don't want anything to interfere with that. But today, all I have to do is take my hearing aids out. And I'm in, I'm in, I'm a, then it's just God and I. I think of the times that he has spent with me. I think of the times I look at that chair because there's so many miracles that's happened there. He's, that's where he rebuked me. That's where he showed me and told me how much he loved me and how special I was. That's a time that, he's, that he brought some of you to my mind that you needed prayer at a certain time. That's a God, that's a reason I can say that this morning that prayer makes a difference. Do you have a place to? Do you have a place? A time set aside that you can spend with God? In the morning, my prayer every day, Lord, what do you have planned for us today? I do not step out that door with first spending time with Jesus. I've tried it. My, my days have been 
the distance is faster if I stepped out without first asking him to take control of my life. You know, and you'll, you won't be the only one to notice it. There'll be others that, that will notice it. When I see my wife, she's in a nursing home with Alzheimer in Somerset. I went up to see her, and I first stopped to get something to eat at a restaurant, but this woman kept looking at me. She just didn't take her eyes off me, and I thought, she must know me. I didn't know her, and I got up to leave, and she, as I passed the table that they were at, she stopped me, and she said, sir, could I speak to you? And I said, of course. And she said, you're a Christian, aren't you? I said, yes, I am. She looked at her, her husband, and she said, I told you. I told you he was a Christian. And she said, sir, your face was glowing. I didn't think too much about it until I got out and got in the car. And my Lord reminded me, remember the prayer you had this morning. I prayed that somebody would see Jesus in me. Like I said, I could spend the rest of the day telling, one, telling you one miracle after another that God has performed in my life. I love him, friends. I love him more than anything in the world. And any time this door is open, I'll be 70, not 70, I'll be 87 years young in less than a month. And I'm going to tell you, as long as I can go, any time these doors are open, I'm going to be here. My Jesus, give everything for me, and I want to be here because I know that he meets with his people. He went, and I look forward to that time. I don't know how much longer that the Lord will give me, but I want to serve him as long as I'm, as long as I'm living. Because I tell you, I look forward to that time that I'll be spending with him. God is there in that chair, my place of prayer, that God has given me wisdom. Jesus had a what? He had a prayer time. He had a, a special place. He had a special time. And I'm not talking. I'm not talking about a candy-coated experience that has no nutrition. I'm talking about knowing Him at the depth of your being. I'm talking about knowing Him at the very in the very fabric of your being. I'm talking about falling in love with Him all over again. I'm talking about knowing Him deep in the heart and knowing Him deep in your mind. There's another thing. I don't want to run over to. There's another thing that is about Jesus' life that might surprise you. Now, do not misunderstand me. There are times that praying cannot be allowed. It cannot be allowed. If you work at IBM, I believe that we should pray aloud when we can. If you work at IBM around other computers, and the computer system went out, you don't drop to your knees and start praying aloud in a secular setting like that. You might lose your job. But that's not a time to pray aloud. There's a time. It's never inappropriate to pray in silent. I want you to know that. I would never say that. It's never inappropriate to have silent prayer. But if you want to have that deep experience that Jesus had, speak aloud. He said, there's a... I, I, to speak aloud to me. You say, well, Glenn, why is it so important to speak aloud? Well, your thoughts don't wonder. Your thoughts don't wonder. Uh, your thoughts do wonder. 
Your words do not. And when you're praying aloud, can you do anything? Be honest with me sometimes. I'm not going to ask you to hold up your hands. Would you ever pray silently? And suddenly you think, maybe, did I take out the garbage this morning? And I have a doctor's appointment at a certain, certain time. And, and then, you, then you go on, you continue prayer. And uh, about, three, about two or three minutes later, oh, yes, I'm supposed to call Jim or Jerry or whomever. But you know when you pray loud, your prayers don't wonder. Because your mind is engaged in the words that you're speaking of. It's engaged in the words that you're, you're speaking. So I pray aloud. I believe that, and God tells us many, many, many places that. He said, when you pray, don't think. He said, when you pray, say. Speak aloud. Uh, it says, when he went, after he left the disciples, and he went to Jesus, when he went to pray, it says, he says. He said, it don't say he, he thought. Friends, I see that my time is getting short. I usually don't go this long. Maybe it's another time, but I could have spent the rest of the afternoon sharing with you how that God has intervened and still does to this day in my life. There's not anything more important to me than the time I spend with my lovely Jesus. I just want to invite you to have one of the greatest experiences that you ever had in your life. But you have to trust him. Like the time that... God told me my wife and I had been praying. I want to take my parents with me to camp meeting. That was Nate day. We always, my wife and I always stay. We stay in the motel usually. But I knew I had been in the hospital and it was a, a special night. And I said, Lord, I want to take my parents with me. And I cannot get the food that I was supposed to have in the motel. And listen, you can ask him for big things. God, I think, is sometimes insulted, Danny, when we ask for such small gifts. We serve a big God. We serve a big God. And I said, Lord, would you find me a place? We've been praying for two or three months for this. Would count me was coming? Well, one Sabbath, I said, honey, I said to my wife, let's go to Mount Vernon. We have to go. God has spoken to me. She said, I had the same burden. And we took off to Mount Vernon. We put some tapes in the car, Christian tapes. And we got to Mount Vernon, about three miles out of Mount Vernon, a little town called Bangs. Well, we pulled over. The Sabbath had just ended and had prayer. We pulled out, and we hadn't went, oh, three or four minutes. And I seen a young man mowing his grass. And I got out, and I told him what I was looking for. He was trying to get the cut before dark. He said, I wouldn't know anything about that. He said, here comes my father. His father came up, and I told him what I was looking for. He said, well, it just happened. See that double-wide mobile home there? And it was a nice one. He said, fully furnished, everything that you will need. That's our guest home. When family comes, this is where they stay. He said, I can let you have it for that time. I said, this will be for eight days. What would you, what would you charge me for that? He gave me a price that was so ridiculous and low, I, I, I couldn't have took that. I'd have been like stealing something. I said, let's double that price. And it was still a price. You, you'll never get a deal like that doubled it. I had people to come over during that week because we had to take them over and 
to this moment, when we got there, by the way, it was everything was there, and they had a, a, a big flyers on the on the dining room table. I I tell you, I just praise the Lord. Prayer makes a difference, friends. I had friends come over from camp meeting. They said they went back and they said, "You cannot believe this. Trammels are staying in a palatial home, less than we're paying for a tent." That's the God that we serve. That's the God that we serve. Prayer makes a difference, friends. Prayer makes a difference. And I say that I'm running it short on my time, so I'm just going to say, end this by saying, pray, pray, and pray. Our closing hymn, Sweet Hour of Prayer, 178. Sweet Hour of Prayer. Father, I can't think of a sweeter time in the entire week. That's when we're talking to our Heavenly Father. Oh, Father, may we all have maybe a new experience. I thank God that spoke to us how important that prayer is. And I just pray that as we maybe think about this message today, that God would speak to our heart. And you might hear his voice saying, I want to talk to you. I want to tell you how much you're loved. And I want to tell you that I meet with my people on a Wednesday afternoon at 3 o'clock. May this be our experience. Help us to keep our eyes upon Jesus. Thank you, Father, for loving us so much. In his name we pray. Amen.